93.3 DAB, the home of international students. Good afternoon. You are listening to Snack on Radio Nova. My name is Mac. I'm in the studio today with Amanda and Hannah. Hannah, yes. Uh, Hannah, it's your first official show today, isn't it? It is, and it's live, and you guys are so mean for making (gasps) me do this. What? Oh my God, that's the first I hear now. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't said anything before you came, Meg, I promise. Okay, I I promise. So how is everybody doing today? I'm doing. Mm. I'm doing fine. I'm a little tired after last yeah. night. I'm not gonna lie, but it was so nice last night. What I did, had a lot of fun. What did you get up to? It was. Um, it was the uh, the theme party, and it was so nice to see the other um, associations. I went down to the uh, gaming gaming association, yeah, I think, yeah. and people were like, you are "Do you want to play role play with me? Like board <laughs> board games, role play <laughs> with me?" I was like, "Yes, Dungeons and Dragons. Here I come." It was so nice. They had. Uh, Did you play? No, I did not. Oh. Because my flatmate, he loved like uh, loves role playing games, mm. so he also he always asks uh, asks us to participate in his games. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I so feel that like was very nice. people should play D and D more at parties. <gasps> that would be fun. Mm, it's a good vibe. Yeah. yeah, you can be a witch <laughs> or whatever. That's not my vibe. <laughs> you just go, yeah. It's, it's not without me. Without me. <laughs> I'm trying yeah, to be yeah. open minded. I'm trying to be open minded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we we had the the pre drinks uh, yeah. yesterday, and even there, I don't play cards, so I just mm. watch them. Mm. So don't even get me. Into don't your role even. <laughs> I I will never make you play D and D. I promise. That's too much. That's a it's commitment okay. too. No, nobody can make me. It's nobody fine. can. Okay. No, it's fine. That was fun. What about you? Uh, I I had a show last night, so I unfortunately could not make it to the party. No. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us what your show is sure. about? Or you is know, it top secret? No, no, it's not top <laughs> secret. I know it's like daytime Sunday, like, you know, the Lord's Day of Rest and all that. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I had a burlesque show. Mm. Um which is very, very fun. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I do them a couple times a month. Yeah. And I'm a performer myself, so I wasn't attending one. I was I was performing in one of these, but that's what I was getting up to. Yeah. So, and I was saying to these guys in the hallway right before we started recording that the last thing you want to do actually after a show is go out because... Mm-hmm. For for an art form that is all about a seductive strip tease, there's a lot of costume pieces. Mm. So you're just like in your crusty makeup after the show oh. and you're like shuffling home in your sweatpants with like yeah. a huge bag of luggage that's just full of like thongs. Mm. <laughs> but it's, I mean, that's the performer life, isn't yeah. it? Unless you have the wardrobe in the theater or mm-hmm. the place you have your show. It's the grit behind the glam. And I think I think the the makeup thing for me, because uh, I I studied acting, mm. so every now and oh. then I'm in two plays, and it's the same, you know, the makeup part when you finally get off the stage and finally you wash up wash up your face, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're really tired and you go home in your makeup and you know, because <laughs> you don't want to look bare face. But yeah, I think after that it's like game over, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there is no coming back. Mm. I think I think the main feeling is if you're wearing false eyelashes and Ooh. it's when you peel them off finally. Oh, and that's you feel the, all the weight coming off of your back. That's the best feeling ever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, my tradition is we all of us show girls who just end up at like Max Burger. Oh, yeah. And we were all wearing like really crappy outfits after the show, but we have the full makeup still mm. on. Mm. So we look absolutely insane. Like I have like jewels stuck on my face and then we're just like, you know, ramming a burger down. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it should be. Get on your face, burger. Yeah, yeah. it's the glamorous lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yes. And so, apart from our beautiful weekends that we had, mm-hmm. um, today we are talking about two different things. We are talking about uh, the Nobel Prizes lately. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you've been there, you've been attending. Yeah, yeah. I was. Um, I was at the announcement of the winner yeah. of the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, as I guess, what what do you even call it? Uh, press. Yeah, press um, announcement. Press. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was not just press, was it? Yeah, like a journalist press media. The, the press, press junket or the press. Junk? What does that mean? So it's not open to everybody. It's just for the press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to get um, uh, approval from the Nobel Peace Committee that you can attend. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's not for everybody. No, I think it, yeah, it's because we're at uh, Radio Nova. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We get no, that, the... Then it's a press release. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. yeah. So it's like exclusive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what Radio Nova does for you. Oh, very nice. There's all these doors. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So official, Amanda. So you're going to talk about that? Yes. And then we will talk, um, Hannah, about... um, Cannabis. Cannabis. Marijuana. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Drugs. Uh, Mary Jane. Not just... what what people might be thinking, but like uh, regulations, right? Yeah, um, in Canada specifically, but then kind of comparing it with uh, yeah. Scandinavian legislation currently. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's been five years as of this week that cannabis has been legalized in Canada. So that'd be interesting to hear how mm-hmm. that is going. Exactly. Can't speak Norwegian? We've got you covered on Snack Norse. It's international students. Welcome back to Snack Norse on Radio Nova. I am Mac. I'm with Amanda and Hannah in the studio. And we are talking now about Noble. What is Noble? Tell us. Tell oh, us yes, I will tell you. <laughs> it's the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, it was last week on the 6th of October. Maylise and I, Maylise, she's also part of the program. Um, we went to the announcement of this year's uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner. And it was at the Norwegian Nobel Institute. Um, yeah, right where in we the center of Oslo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was actually kind of funny because we thought it was in another building. So we had to run uh, across the town because, okay, I need to uh, take accountability. It was me who led us the wrong way. So I was like, she had asked me. She was like, do you know where we are? Yes, I do. Then we came to a completely uh, closed door and there was no one. So we had to run. Okay, all of that aside. Um, (laughs) At this event, uh, we were broadcasting for Radio Nova, of course where I discussed the notion of subjectivity in the nomination and selection process. Raising the following question, is the method of selecting Nobel Peace Prize nominees actually objective? 
because contrary to popular belief, the Nobel Peace Prize is not an apolitical honor, a lot of um, critics say, but it is in, um, instead deeply rooted in international politics. Mm. Let me elaborate a little for you. <laughs> in the recent years, the uh, Nobel Peace Prize has come under a lot of scrutiny uh, due to controversial nominations and selections, where critics say that it um, it's really revealing a deeply uh, political nature of the award. Um, the Nobel selection process spans over a year and is ultimately conducted by a small committee of five men five members who are elected by the Norwegian parliament. Initially, the nominations are received from qualified nominators, as they call them, such as members of governments, international courts, academics, and previous winners. So the nature of this process and the um, limited number of recipients per year, only um, up to three, uh, contribute to a potential subjective nature of the award. Uh, did you say up to three winners? Yeah. Uh, in which get in all the category or just in, the piece? In the piece one, oh, you yeah. can. Okay. Um, they can give the prize to more than one person a year. Yeah. But okay, this okay. year they only chose one. one. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, so just to give a little background information uh, on this criticism, um, back in 2009, when Barack Obama was newly elected president of the U.S. He received the Nobel Peace Prize. However, classified documents show that he was nominated after just 12 days in office, sparking a criticism of the, uh, I guess, the nature of the award, because was it based on his previous work or his quote-unquote good intentions? Um, critics tend to believe <laughs> the last one, um, and thereby claim that the nomination acted as a symbol of hope, Uh, for a brighter future and not a testimony to his work, hereby also highlight, highlighting a political agenda from the Nobel Committee. Allegedly, of course. Um, Barack, Barack, Barack Obama, goddamn, even mentioned in an interview uh, with The Independent in 2016 that he was unsure why he even <laughs> received the award in the first place, um, aligning with the comments that he received back in 2009, as critics doubted the reasoning for this award. So, to sum it up a little bit, the award was not used to honor peacemaking processes, but more as a symbol for hope in the future, that he will do remarkable work in his new Uh, newly selected presidency. Yeah, I was the first black president, so yeah. I can see why they would have yeah, thought yeah, yeah. about... But it's not really to him. It's more like to the people electing. Yeah, to the, yeah, yeah. To the change in yeah. the population. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah. That was also um, yeah, what a lot of people pointed out, mm. that um, uh, nominees should or winners should be chosen on stuff yeah. they have done. <laughs> And this was more a look into the... Yeah, the future. Mm. Um, also, critics point out, how do you decide which politician represents the notion of hope in the best way? And who is the best candidate to fulfill this work or this job, I guess? Um, because there will always be an underlying ideology from a specific party in which the person is a part of, of course. So therefore, it's not easy 
to stay unbiased in this, because ideology and political decision-making, of course, go hand in hand. Uh, but how do you select the person? Who selects? Is it like somebody just sending a letter to the Nobel Peace Center? No, there or is a, um, like, <laughs> they call the it internet? qualified nominators, okay. who are members of governments, uh, previous winners, academics. They, like, nominate people. Mm. Like, they say, oh, he did a great job this year, blah, blah, blah. And then there's ultimately five people who choose who should win. Okay. So it's very, I mean... It starts off very broad and then it goes down to only five people who decide. Yeah, but I will um, continue on this after the break. Can't speak Norwegian? We've got you covered on Snack Ik Norsk. It's international students. Welcome back to Snack Ik Norsk. My name is Mac. I am with Hannah and Amanda. In the studio, we are talking about the Nobel uh, Peace Prize. Yes, yes, yes. Um, for those of you maybe just <laughs> tuning in, um, I was just talking about uh, some criticism that the uh, Peace Prize, uh, Nobel Prize Committee has uh, received because some people um, tend to claim that there is a political agenda behind these nominations. However, I do want to mention that, of course, this um, alleged political bias hasn't been involved in all decision-making throughout the history of the Nobel Prize. There are, of course, many, many, many winners who have been nominated because of their work towards peace and unity, and not only because of their intentions to do so. Amongst these are, of course, people such as Martin Luther King, Malala, and the first ever winner, Henry Dutont. Maybe. Was a nice oh. pronunciation? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't even heard his name before. Oh, so. well, well. Then, then not, maybe it was perfect. I'm not, I'm not so interested in the Nobel Peace Prize. I'm more interested in the other advancement, you know, in like um, chemistry. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. But... Um, Go. Yeah. yeah, okay. Keep yeah. going, keep going. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, organizations like the uh, International Committee of the Red Cross, United Nations, and the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons are also worth mentioning. Um, it's very, yeah, like I said, I feel like it's very important in the discussion of this notion of subjectivity um, in the decision making that we should, of course, see both sides, not only the critique. So, to kind of sum this discussion up a little bit, um, the Nobel Peace Prize is, of course, an essential part of international activism and peacemaking efforts on how you shine a light on neglected issues. However, uh, the question still arises, must it be viewed as a produ product of politics rather than an anti-political impartial honor? The history of the award seems to both uh, point in both directions. Does political agenda supersede objective honoring processes? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I'll just um, also say who the <laughs> committee uh, chose as the winner. Yes. Yeah, this year it is Nagis Mohammadi was awarded for her uh, fight against the oppression of women in Iran and her fight to 
promote human rights and freedom for all. They mentioned the, what do you even say, like uh, a quote called uh, Women, Life, Freedom, which is um, symbolizing of the women's fights in mm. uh, Iran. Um, and this uh, fight uh, has uh, led to major, major personal uh, costs. She has been arrested 13 times, convicted five times, and uh, the government has sentenced her to a total of 31 years in prison, prison mm-hmm. and 154 lashes. She is oh, still... Lovely. In, yeah, she's still in prison as we speak, so um, we're very unsure if she um, if she will be able to get the award in person. There was some talk about that they would just say no. I don't think so. Yeah, no. I don't But I mean, she knows she won and it's a good thing. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a pressure on the government when you have somebody in prison. Oh, yeah, that yeah. That is recognized across the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. mean, there will be questions. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, but it also, will be very exciting to I, see. I would say she is an activist, and I'm I'm sorry, yeah. but life as an activist is not an easy one. It no. doesn't matter whether you want to protect a tree at the end of your street or if you want to protect women in Iran. Uh, you are going to encounter uh, obstacles. Mm-hmm. People will mm-hmm. try to put you in jail. People will try to uh, <laughs> put you in a bad place. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's it's a tough It's a tough uh, life decision, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, those people who are so brave and that say, okay, I can't live like this. I'm going to fight, yeah. even if it's going to cost me. I'm going to fight because it's more important than anything. You know, it's yeah. not many people that would take that step. No. Make that no. sacrifice. It's hard, right? Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. So it's great that, um, yeah, activism and peacemaking efforts can be, I guess, honored or appreciated in this specific award. Mm. So, also shining a light, of course, on issues uh, everywhere in the world and maybe just create some more focus on it. Um, I wanted to ask you, Hannah, because we yeah. haven't heard from you. Uh, what do you think about the Nobel uh, Peace Prize? Uh, what do you think about the ceremony? What do you think about the fact that... Well, my, my main question is hmm? when someone is not able to be physically present to accept that award... Does it feel like there's a disconnect then at the ceremony? I don't know. I don't know. There's almost this kind of underlying sense of, wow, we're having this elaborate Mm. occasion. Yeah. Yet the reality of the situation is that this person is currently imprisoned and because it's not It's not allowed to give a prize to somebody who's dead. So it doesn't matter. Like uh, Albert Einstein didn't get a prize because he was, you know, already passed yeah um but um but then even though she is not there physically she is aware of it she gets yeah. the information her family is has been speaking on uh, on the news yeah yeah um but yeah they but yeah yeah the committee said that they can send a representative uh, for her so then mm. those people will receive the award on her behalf But she can't physically be there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of course, because of prison. And maybe it's not so shocking because there's different kind of prizes. Or, well, this year it's only one person getting mm-hmm. it for yeah. the Peace yeah. Prize. But because of the other types of Nobel Prizes, maybe 
people don't feel so, you know, like jarred by it. Yeah. Possible. That the, the conditions of a prize like this, it's yeah. like maybe half of them are in quite compromising positions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. So, thank you so much. Yes, you're welcome. For talking about the, the Nobel Peace Prize. Can't speak Norwegian? We've got you covered on Snack Ik Norsk. It's international students. Still in the studio for you, Mac, Hannah, Amanda. And now, it's your turn, Hannah. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so... What are we talking about? Um, so I wanted to talk about the five-year anniversary of cannabis being legalized back in Canada. Um, again, I'm, I'm new to the show. This is my first yeah. show. so We're uh, not judging. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so just for a little bit of background, I am Canadian-Norwegian. I moved here last summer uh, from Canada. I grew up in Toronto, but I also lived in Montreal for about six years for my undergrad and then, you know, for part of the pandemic. And then I made the hop over the Atlantic to Ushlu. But yeah, um, so this week, specifically October 17th, is the five-year anniversary of the Trudeau government in Canada, Justin Trudeau, mm -hmm. as we all know him with his fantastic head of hair, um, <laughs> legalizing cannabis across the country. And I would say the past couple of weeks have really been marked by a lot of uh, press kind of evaluating the relationship that Canadians have with various cannabis products and the social, political, cultural implications that this legislation has had. Um, so a little bit more background is that um, I'm familiar to an extent with Norwegian culture, having been a dual citizen, but I will say moving here last year, I was really, really shocked by uh, the kind of sensibility as well as the very strict laws uh, in regards to, to weed um, and add on to that like drinking and substances in general. Um, so I think it's just really interesting to look at like the five years of Canada's legislation and then also comparing it to a more Scandinavian model, because for countries that are regarded as quite similar in a lot of things, they differ very widely on this issue. Um, so for those who don't know, Canada is made up of 10 provinces and three territories. And although weed was legalized across the country, it is up to those provinces and territories to really hash out the specifics of the rules and regulations in terms of how you can buy it, what kinds you can buy, when, how old you are. Um, so there's a lot of like nitty gritty details that go into every aspect of this. I mean, you yeah. would, as you would imagine, it's not an easy uh, thing to decide over and say, hey, let's legalize. Yeah, it's not like everyone's like rolling blunts in every, <laughs> in every park. <laughs> it's not what, uh, yeah, it's not what it is, actually. No. Exactly. Um, so the government actually published this legislative review uh, recently, and in the review they write, after almost a century of prohibition, Canada became the first major industrialized nation in the world to legalize and regulate cannabis when the act and its regulations came into force, and that was 2018. Um, for context, actually, Canada was the second country in the world to legalize after Uruguay. Um, 
But we love the wording that they use in this review where they're like, we're the first major industrialized nation. Ouch. (laughs) Sorry, Uruguay. Relax. Erasure. Um, So rude. The act allowed for the production, sale, and distribution of cannabis. And the purpose of the act is to protect public health and public safety including by providing access to quality controlled supply of cannabis and by enhancing public awareness of the health risks associated with cannabis use. Mm. Um, And I think that's also important to keep in mind is the lens they're kind of putting on here. They're like, this is about public health and uh, public safety. Yeah. And I agree because now there is um, so much synthetic weed on the market Mm -hmm. that is killing youngsters um, so I think in a way, legalizing is a good way to, to have this control over the, the quality of the product or how it's made, where it's made, who is making it, you know, what goes in it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's smart that they're, they're keeping it on, on every step in, in this process. Um, and I know we're heading to a song break very soon, but I'll, I'll round this off by saying that they, they are really kind of um, emphasizing the fact that they've created a whole industry. This is an industry across the nation. Mm. And that means a lot of jobs as well. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, it's potentially a really good thing. Yeah. Um, although I think people can have it at home too, right? Pardon? You can have it at home. You can have no, some plants at home. We'll, we'll hop into that actually after All the right. break. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. teaser. Growing, growing <laughs> your nice. Can't speak Norwegian? We've got you covered on Snack Ik Norsk. It's international students. Hannah is talking to us about a cannabis legalization and uh, and the recent anniversary mm-hmm. in Canada. Yes. Um, so, if you're just tuning in now. Uh, this week is five years of cannabis being legal in Canada. Um, and an article that came out two days ago from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, CBC, they wrote that cannabis legalization has had wide-reaching effects and made its use more accessible and acceptable. Yet the razzle-dazzle days where money was no object and sky-high sky demand was expected are gone, replaced by a sobering reality. Legalization has fallen well short of expectations. Um, I mean, there's a lot of pros here with weed being legal in Canada. We got easy access, destigmatization, job creation, uh, as Mac was saying earlier, ensuring that every step of the process has been overseen, that we know what is in the substances that we're ingesting, um, as well as, you know, a tighter control over who's able to access access these substances. But we also haven't even begun discussing the health impacts here. Like there's been a bit of a rise in marijuana-related hospitalizations, primarily with pregnant people, um, and also psychosis cases, mm. um, especially with young men who might have, you know, uh, predisposition to schizophrenia. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, with any kind of drugs in general, but... That's a risk. I mean, you just have to be aware of those things. You know, some people, it could mess them up for the rest of their lives. Exactly. So there's still not enough research on that front to be sure about what the implications have been with the past five years, but it has been a significant concern that's been mentioned in a lot of articles. Um, But, 
yeah, again, like, again, it, it, it differs from province to province, territory to territory. And I, I lived in Toronto for most of my upbringing and then Quebec. But I think it's really, really interesting when you look at just like the differences between these two provinces that are beside each other. Um, like Quebec, they actually raised the age of marijuana access um, the year after it was legalized. They raised it to, ni- uh, to 21 years old. It's supposed to be 19 years old across the country. Um, so it's 21 years old now in Quebec. And Quebec is also the province where you can drink at 18. It's younger than any other province, yet nice. they've, they've raised the marijuana um, access age. And they have government-operated stores, the SQDC, the uh, Société Québécoise du Cannabis. Um, oh, very so you, nice. There's only about 21 of them in the greater Montreal area. So you, you roll up like it's Vimanopalea. And, yeah. you know, they got, they got strict hours. You go in, it's... It's almost like you're asking them about like the quality of the wine, like you're talking yeah. to sommelier, and they're like, mm, what tasting note do you want? <laughs> How big are those stores? They're quite big, and they look very official. Like, it's like walking into like a very streamlined pharmacy. Mm. <laughs> But Ontario is not like that at all. Ontario, it's 19 years old that you can access marijuana, and you can get a private license. So there are, I think according to an article from last year, there were over 400 stores in Toronto alone Damn. where you could buy weed. And I remember I was back home for a bit this summer and the main intersection by my family home, th- two or three out of the four corners at that intersection had a marijuana store, had a dispensary. Damn. So what, what makes the store better than the other? Because there must be a lot of competition now. It's a lot of competition. And at this point, unfortunately, it's a lot of turnover. So quite a bit of... Um, empty storefronts. There was a recent New York Times article that kind of was really emphasizing the fact that, oh, the golden era of like dispensary. I don't know, like you open yeah. a dispensary and you're just like rolling in the dough. It's over already. Yeah. And people are realizing that like the prices have really fallen, but the taxes are still very high. Mm. So it's not profitable anymore. Um, yeah. So it's it's quite unfortunate how that's going in Ontario. Um, another thing about Quebec, though, that I thought was really interesting is that they're kind of making a big difference between um, edibles and, you know, buying weed that you smoke, for lack of a better term. And they're actually a lot more strict on where you can ingest weed. Like, you can't actually, like, smoke in a lot of public areas. Um, and your landlord can actually put in your lease if it's if you're not allowed to oh, wow. smoke weed at okay, home. F- but f- yeah, but fair enough. I mean... Some places you're not allowed to smoke um, in, you know, some apartments. Like in Norway, it's very common that if you rent a place, you're not allowed to smoke inside. Really? Yeah. Okay. It says no smokers, no, yeah. Well, no, I just, no pets, I, I no. thought it was really interesting because Montreal, they have a picnic law where you can drink in a park if you have enough food on you that you can be like, it's a snack. Yeah. <laughs> bring a bag of pretzels. Yeah. <laughs> I love, exactly. I love that. <laughs> just bring a lot of snacks. So I was just really surprised because I was like, oh, this feels like so against the other rules yeah, in this yeah. place that they're getting more strict about weed yet i mean i don't want to tell you how many bottles of rosé i've down in a park in montreal yeah. <laughs> guilty as you should but um i i wanted to ask um if i was going to canada tomorrow could i buy weed or is it just canadian people that can buy weed you could buy weed okay but you just got to make sure if, when you're traveling 
what you have in your luggage. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, you but know, you it's you can yeah yeah <laughs> I don't yeah know, you stupid. can you can buy I will all smuggle the, it back to Norway. You can buy no. all the weed your little heart desires. Oh okay, yeah. okay. So there's no restriction because no. I think about where they're debating in the Netherlands, right, on having only Dutch people buying weed in really? the future because there is too many tourists, especially Amsterdam, coming. Oh, to yes. the coffee shops, getting wasted. It's all like, those British uh, men. It's, it's a plague on, on the streets. Bachelor parties. Yeah. Get out. So that's why maybe they were thinking now you need to prove you're a Dutch citizen or, yeah, something really? like that. I don't think that has been the case in Canada at all. Pretty sweet. Um, yeah, we're not, we're not <laughs> as much of a tourist hotspot as a fun, very fun place like Amsterdam would be. <laughs> I'm sure it's very fun in Canada. Can't speak Norwegian? We've got you covered on Snack Norsk. It's international students. Welcome back to Snacker Ikenorsk. This is the final part of our show now. Uh, talking about legalization in Canada, and I guess we are going to talk about legalization in other places. Yeah, um, I was kind of looking up a bit what the state of cannabis is in Norway currently. And I actually didn't know that medicinal marijuana has been legal here since 2016. Um, and it's also legal to sell and purchase uh, CBD products. But it's because CBD doesn't have the main psychoactive ingredient that ah, gives okay. you the high. That's THC. Oh, so ma- so many letters. I know. And I don't, I stopped doing science when I was like 15 or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, these words are so big. <laughs> so, so what would, um, how would you qualify to get uh, cannabis here in Norway? What kind of disease? Because I have never heard of it being allowed. I, and I've been here for a while. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> but in terms of like access to non-medicinal cannabis, um, in late 2017, the parliament voted to decriminalize all drug use in an effort to increase harm reduction efforts across the country. Uh, but there have been a lot of reforms put forward. And I think most recently there was one by the Green Party in terms of legalizing cannabis and they have not passed. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's interesting when just thinking about kind of the, the social um, sensibility towards weed because I, I try to think about like I literally have not talked about marijuana with anyone here like I, I can't, can't even think about a party where someone's yeah yeah, yeah it's true Norwegians don't really no yeah no uh, yeah they don't talk about it and then back in Canada, it's like everyone's passing around. Um. But but here it's more like Coke is the drug of choice, also, or just you know. And if they do twelve beers, yeah. But it, but if they do take drugs, they tend to really hide. They usually mm-hmm. when you go to a party, there's one person going away and then two people following, uh. and they go away two minutes and they come back and it's like okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's very secretive, even though it's a party and we are all <gasps> technically friends. It's like why? I mean, they're yeah. they're afraid. Yeah, yeah. But Amanda, I was wondering for you because yeah. you're Danish, I am. and I know that I've been to Christiania once, as I was telling oh, you. Oh yes. And maybe we should explain to people who aren't familiar with yeah. Christiania um, what this Wonderland is like. Yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, kind of Wonderland. Um, a lawless Wonderland, I guess you can say, because uh, <laughs> Christiania is a part of uh, Copenhagen, the capital of. 
Denmark. Um, and um, it's like um, they have their own rules and their own kind of government. So they don't care about the legislation of the country of Denmark. They're like, well, we don't want to follow that. So we're going to do our own stuff. So they have <laughs> they have a street called uh, Pusha Street. That's the street for the uh, drug dealing and stuff and they just they just have it they're like yeah that's what we do but they also get raided all the time so i mean <laughs> what can you even do yeah but that's that's uh that's a fun place well i was i was saying to you before the show mm-hmm. that the one time i went it was a friend of mine was on exchange in yeah. copenhagen and he was like i have to show you this amazing place <laughs> called christiania and we went over and it was, I think, like 30 minutes after a raid had happened. Mm. And I, I felt like I was in a video game. Like it was oh. such a weird, I mean, it was like rainy, end of November, dark. You're like trying to buy a cookie off a dude. And, it was just, and then the police is there. What do you yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like Damn. lookout points or whatever. It was a it was a true cultural experience. But I just think it's so interesting that you guys have that in Denmark. And then uh, Norway is just so maybe a bit moralistic about the the outlook on on yeah. cannabis still yeah because it has been um illegal to uh possess or use or smoke uh cannabis in Denmark since the 1950s however it's still the second most used narcotics or mm. drugs in Denmark after alcohol of course <laughs> um but in some cases you can also get uh, medicinal Marijuana, you need to get it prescribed from your doctor, but it's very, very difficult to get a prescription for it. Hmm. Uh, yes, uh, before we close down this show, I just wanted to tell you that France is the uh, number one uh, consumer in uh, Europe. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey, 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 hey. Um, round of applause yes 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 Germany has uh, has passed a law that allows you to cultivate three plants in your home and uh, only you provide your family with Um, family fun uh, yeah sharing is caring no no more than 25 gram no more than 25 gram and uh, 50 gram per month which I think should be enough yeah, uh, yeah, but I if, think you're covered. If you're between 18 and 21, it's 30 grams. So anyway, I think it's enough. It's enough yeah, I think, I think it's um, fine. And then obviously it's not allowed to consume uh, at least 200 meters from clubs, schools, parks, uh, sports, whatever field. I don't know why would you smoke next to a sports, like a gym or something. Makes no sense. Doesn't help your workout. Um, and youth association. Uh, Morocco is the biggest producer of weed. Congratulations, Morocco. Nice, number one. And I just wanted to say, because I was reading about when it was first forbidden, because it was allowed for for all, for most of the, the world, actually. It was allowed for a long time. Weed was natural. And then one day there came something, some events that happened, and weed was made illegal. And in France, we have this story about Napoleon, which is guilty for making it illegal, but it's not exactly him, but it was under his regency uh, during a, an incident in uh, in Egypt in 8th of October, 1800 actually, when the French Revolutionary Army was in place, so colonialism, and his uh, general, um, I think it was his general, or a politician called François Menou, uh, yeah, chief general of the Oriental Army, 
he got married to a uh, woman, an Islamic woman, and he converted, actually. And I think after that, he became extremely strict about drugs and he, he put that in place that it should be uh, illegal. And then there's been, following that, there's been some incidents in Egypt of uh, men smoking tons and then murdering people. And when it was going to court, people put the blame on the drugs. And from oh, that point onward, that was they, it. They ruined it for all of us. That was it. Yeah. That was it. So rude. God damn it. So that's it for the lesson of history. Yeah, that was so nice. That was very fast. Thank you. Thank you. Ooh, thank you. No, so boring. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for this show. It was amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for it has been so nice. A great first try on Yay. my part. It was, it was perfect. 99.3 DAB, the home of international students.